1: NY or text hope NY in New York.
2: What a great day to be alive. It is prediction Tuesday here on the hard count, October 17th, 2023. The slate is absolutely packed. A lot of people talking about what previous weeks were in the college football season. You look at week eight and say, uh, oh, it doesn't have as much juice. None of that. None of that here. We won't stand for that. We got the third Saturday in October. We got Ohio State-Penn State, we got Florida State-Duke, you got USC-Utah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to break down Auburn-Ole Miss tomorrow. Like, there is so much to unpack with this thing. And that's the beautiful thing about college football. It is the gift that gives every single weekend. And even when you look at that Saturday slate, and you think maybe there's not quite as much meat on the bone, when not you know it, boom, college football delivers yet again. A lot of teams out there right now with a loss on their record. Doesn't mean their season's over. We salute them. We ride with them. Heck, my Cornell Big Red, they have their fair share of losses on the record, but they're gonna bounce back. Got all the faith in the world in them. My point being, college football as a whole, it still has a big old goose egg in that loss column. Never lost. We got a lot to jump into. If you're new to the show, welcome. It's college football. It's only college football every single day of the year. We are live as we are right now. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Tuesdays, though, that's our prediction show. That's where we step into the batter's box, kind of get the uh, the shoulders loose a little bit, and we swing for the fence. Like I already said, got a lot of break, got a lot of games to uh, to break down. Third Saturday in October here coming up in just a minute. Gonna talk a little bit of Utah USC. Gonna talk a little Florida State Duke. Some quarterback question marks in both those games as to if Riley Leonard's playing, if. We're going to see uh, Cam Rising playing. That mystery continues to roll on. Before we get to that, though, I want to break down Penn State at Ohio State. Before we even get to that, though, I want to give a little two cents here on the Brock Bauer situation. Very important to be subscribed to this channel. Very important to be following me on Twitter and Instagram at JD for a number of reasons, one of which being when we don't have a live show, we're still putting out content for you. So news breaks yesterday, Brock Bowers, tightrope surgery on the high ankle sprain. We already clipped a video for this, so we're not going to clip this segment from the live show and put it out there on YouTube. But even so, I want to give you my two cents. Like I said, tightrope surgery. To put it simply, Brock Bowers got that surgery to be back this season. Like that is a surgery you get to be able to heal up quickly. Now, I would also say this, the timeline on that is four to six weeks. Like that's what you're going to see on the ticker on ESPN that's what you're going to see everybody report is hey Brock Bowers four to six weeks is the timetable that's for a normal human being uh Brock Bowers was developed in a lab um he is not normal I'm pretty sure he is part Cyborg so all that's to say Brock Bowers even though that timetable says four to six weeks I'm not predicting anything. I'm not a doctor, but it it would not surprise me in the slightest if he ends up pushing that four to six week timeline just a little bit. Now, when it comes to what this means for Georgia, I think it's pretty obvious. Like Everybody has to step it up a notch when the best player in the country is no longer in the lineup. Brock Bowers has accounted for 26% of the passing yards that Carson Beck has thrown this season. Carson Beck has been dealing there's been a lot made about the Georgia offense as a whole, but I think Carson Beck has stepped in there and, and been phenomenal to this point in the year. It's going to take a little bit more from the other playmakers in those pass catcher rooms, whether it's Dominique Lovett, whether it's Ra Ra Thomas. A lot of people saying it's Oscar Delp season right now. That, that's probably true, but all, all that's to say, when it comes to Georgia's offense, other playmakers have to step up to allow Carson Beck to continue to play at the level he's playing at. Now, also, Carson Beck, to that same token, probably has to step his game up just a little bit as well. Anytime number 19's not in the lineup for you, you might need to find a little bit extra juice offensively. Where does that come from? I look right to our quarterback. Carson Beck, you're our guy for a reason. Yes, you're a first-year starter. We need you to play like a third-year starter right now. Okay, so for Georgia, I think they're still going to be, I don't want to say fine because saying fine makes it sound like I'm almost making light of the Georgia situation. The, the key thing to watch here now let's say Georgia does elevate their game with those pass catchers let's say they do kind of evolve as an offense and then let's say that Brock Bowers comes back and let's just be conservative here let's say that he comes back the SEC title game now we're making the assumption here that Georgia plays for the SEC title game but let's just say that he comes back in that spot and he gets into the lineup with a Georgia offense that is operating again at a different level than it was at the point in time that number 19 left the lineup now, you add him into that, and I think that's scary for college football because then the offense is more dynamic. You have other pass catchers that have stepped into their own. I think Carson Beck has probably grown up a little bit at that point as well with what you've asked him to do offensively. So I'm just saying, keep an eye on the situation. Brock Bowers has got that surgery to contribute this season still. So a lot of people saying his season's done and he's out for the remainder of the year. Like I, I'm not on that train. I think he's coming back at some point this year. All right, it's Prediction Tuesday. Everyone watching live. We have a tradition around here, which is to like the video. we will be over 100 likes before we get off the air. So a little thumbs-up icon under the picture. If you're watching live, go ahead and hit that for us, and we will keep on rolling right along. All right. Probably the biggest game in terms of national impact when it comes to this upcoming weekend, Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State, four-and-a-half-point favorites. This is the big noon game, so 12 Eastern on Fox. And for Ohio State, man, I think, this is, I think this is two things. The first is I think it's, it's Ohio State's chance for this 2023 unit to write their own script. You talk about Ohio State, and there's a lot of conversation around what C.J. Stroud did there, what Justin Fields did there, and what those teams were like. This is the chance for Ohio State now to be the team that bounces back. The team that lost the previous two seasons to Michigan and kind of got bullied up front. This is the team that's going to have a chance to write their own script and make their own case for what they're going to be when you talk about those great Buckeye teams. The other part of this is sort of changing the narrative around Ohio State. Because Lou Holtz, man, he said what he said for a reason about the physicality of Ohio State. And to be clear, that Ohio State team on that night against Notre Dame, they were the more physical operation. They still allowed a fair amount of yards rushing. We'll talk about that here in a second. But if you're able to win a game like this, if you're able to beat Penn State, who's going to be a running the football kind of operation, this could be one of those proof-in-the-pudding games. This could be one of those games that you put the flag in the ground and say, nope, not anymore. This is the new Ohio State. This is the new brand that we're playing with here in Columbus. So that would obviously be a story that Ohio State would like to write and a a story that I think the good people in Columbus would like to read about and enjoy as well. Now for Penn State, this is the elevator kind of game for them. And what I mean by that, there's been so much talk around Ohio State and Michigan for the last however many years in the Big Ten. And it's fair. Those have been the best two teams. For Penn State now, you win a game like this in Columbus? With a first-year starting quarterback, this is the game that you step on the elevator and you go up a few floors. You're no longer seen as that third team in the Big Ten. It's no longer Ohio State, Michigan, Big Gap, then Penn State and everybody else. No, no, no. It's Penn State up there with Michigan. And obviously, if they beat Ohio State, ahead of Ohio State in that conversation. So this is the kind of game where you change the narrative as well for what you want to be under James Franklin if you're Penn State. When it comes to matchups, ma'am, going to be a battle of physicality, especially when Penn State has the football. We said it a little bit earlier in the segment, but like Penn State, they are 55% of the time a running the football kind of team. Katron Allen gets downhill with bad intentions. Nick Singleton, quietly one of the best backs in the country. A lethal one-two punch. And what they have up front as well, like that offensive line now I think might be the unsung hero of the entire team. We like to talk about the running backs, which we just did. We like to talk about Drew Aller and what he brings to the table, which we will talk about him in just a second. But like that that offensive line, they are the tone setters for what they want to do offensively. Now, Ohio State, statistically, been pretty solid. They're allowing 3.2 yards a carry. That's top 10 in the country. And personnel-wise, they're going to match up, I think, pretty well with what Penn State does up front. You got JT Tumaloao, who like pretty much cemented his name in the record books with what he did in this game a season ago you got Jack Sawyer you got Mike Hall there's some really good pieces on this Ohio State defensive line I'm curious how they bring their hard hat and lunch pail in this game for both sides of the ball because for Penn State if they're able to do what Notre Dame did to Ohio State and be able to run for almost 200 yards in this football game that's going to drastically change what you ask Drew Allard to do if you're able to kind of just ease into the game for Drew Aller and be able to ask him to make throws with easier pictures and that those linebackers are creeping up and there's more intermediate stuff available to you. Like that would be a way that Drew Aller could definitely kind of get into a rhythm on the road in his first real big time spot. Now, if you can't run the football, the game goes squarely on Drew Aller's shoulders. I don't want to say can't run the football because that sounds a little bit too extreme. If they struggle to run the football at any point in this game, and you're living in third and eight, third and nine, Well, then this Ohio State defense gets to be a bit more exotic as they are under Jim Knowles. Like we've talked about a lot on this show. He is the mad hatter, the mad scientist when it comes to defensive football at the collegiate ranks. And they will dial it up against Drew Aller. I promise you, they will test him in this spot. They will test him often. They will test him early and they'll have a better chance to test him and get after him if they don't have any balance offensively. Again, any balance is probably a little bit extreme, but if they're not able to create consistent balance offensively, if you're Penn State. Now, for Drew Aller, man, if you're a Penn State fan, this is the kind of game that you built your hopes on with Drew Aller. We've talked a lot about Sean Clifford on this show. We talked about him in our early look video that came out yesterday on this channel. I think he deserves a ton of credit for what he did in State College for the time he was there. But Drew Aller has more ability to throw the ball downfield. You talk about Drew Aller in a different light with what he possesses from a talent standpoint. And so the thought with Drew Aller now being the guy at Penn State is he was going to be able to get this offense over the hump in games like this against the Ohio States, against the Michigans. Well, now it's your chance. Now it's your chance to prove everybody that was wearing the number 15 jersey and, and chanting for Drew Aller to be the guy, this is now your chance to make those people right. Now, if you're not able to do that, if you struggle in this spot, well, then going back to what we just said a second ago, Ohio State. They're going to have a chance to, I think, turn Drew Aller over a little bit and create some more possessions for that offense. And that would obviously play right into the Ohio State playbook, play right into how they want to operate within this game. Now, the probably the, the best matchup, and I tweeted this out, the best matchup we're going to get the entire Saturday. Like, pick a game, any game, does not matter to me. This is the best matchup from an in-game standpoint that we're getting this college football Saturday. And that's Marvin Harrison Jr., against the Penn State cornerbacks of Kalen King and Johnny Dixon. Now, I mentioned both cornerbacks because I don't expect Penn State to travel either one of these guys when it comes to guarding Marvin Harrison Jr. I think it'll be a thing where, essentially, that they play how they've played. One plays one side, the other plays the other side. And whenever eight teams on their side, like, all right, let's roll now. You'd expect it to be a little bit more attention than just one-on-one. But to the same token, man, like Penn State, they want to dial it up from a pressure standpoint. Manny Diaz made waves a couple weeks ago when he was like, listen, I have my own opinions about Ohio State's offense. They're strong, and I'm going to keep them to myself at this point in time. That leads me to believe that he likes where he stands when it comes to the Penn State defense versus the Ohio State offense. And I like that in the coach. I mean, I think you should feel confident going into every single game by nature of the way you've prepared. But you could tell there was a little bit of an edge to what Manny Diaz was saying. From Marvin Harrison Jr., though, going back to this matchup, like, Ohio State, the last couple of games, they have made a point to get him the football. And that's what you should do offensively, right? If you're Ryan Day and Brian Hartline, get your best players the ball. Let them have the most impact on the game possible. For Kyle McCord now, I have been very much so in wait-and-see mode with him. Not that I don't think he's a great quarterback. I'm just questioning if he can get this offense to be where it was the last couple of years. Now, I don't doubt his ability. I don't doubt if he's got under the hood. I'm just wondering if he's at this point where he's driving this Ferrari as the first year starting quarterback. It's not a knock on Kyle McCord. I think it's a pretty valid question to what we've seen at this point. Whenever you try and force feed the football to players, it takes a little bit of that, I don't want to say decision-making out of it, but at that point in time, your, your defense can kind of key on what you're trying to do offensively. So it's going to be very important now for Ohio State to have answers outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, at the time of us being live right now, I have no gauge for what's going on with Emek Ibuka. You hope he can play. That would be huge for Ohio State. But if he can't go, going back to what I said, you need answers. You need answers. Now, whether that's Chip Trena and Dallin Hayden in the run game, whether that's Cade Stover having the middle of the field open because of what Marvin Harrison Jr. demands on the outside, like whatever it looks like, I need a jab to what we have haymaker-wise offensively for Ohio State. I think they can do it, but that's going to be crucial because I don't expect either side of this matchup when it comes to Marvin Harrison Jr. and those Penn State cornerbacks to just be a blatant win. Like, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get his. I think Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, I think they will make plays on the football. I don't think it'll just be 7-11 open all day for Marvin Harrison Jr. And so what I'm watching in this matchup now In this heavyweight bout, who lands the timely punch? Like, I'm talking fourth and goal. We need a big play. We're going to Marvin Harrison Jr. Who makes the play there? Does Marvin Harrison Jr. make that big catch, or is it Johnny Dixon or Kalen King knocking it away? And that's kind of the way this thing shakes out. Because I do think there will be an impactful play to write home about that turns the tide for either side in that matchup. Now, Ohio State, in addition to that, they have to have answers to the pressure that Penn State's going to bring. Penn State, it is it is no secret who they are identity-wise. Like, Abdul Carter gets after the quarterback. Chubb Robinson gets after the quarterback. They do a great job of it at Penn State. And there's two things that I think this could force on Ohio State. One is you play behind the sticks if they're able to get home a couple times. That's obvious, right? You don't want to live in third and 10, third and 12, whatever it ends up being if you get a sack. And that's not ideal, right, if you're an offense. Second part of that is... It could throw you off balance offensively if you start to see ghosts if you're Kyle McCord. I'm not saying he'd respond this way. I'm saying it's a possible scenario if they get to him one or two times. Then at that point, you can show pressure and not bring it and drop into coverage and maybe create a turnover. Also, if you're going to play aggressively, though, for Penn State to the same token, you better get home because there's playmakers on this Ohio State offense That will make you pay if Kyle McCord is on his P's and Q's and sees that pressure coming and throws into the blitz. Like, there there, there are guys that can hurt you in a very real way from a playmaker standpoint for Ohio State. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is not the only one that can do that. All right. So, Julian Fleming's a guy. Carnell Tate's a guy. Like, there's going to be options for them here. So, when it comes to our pick in this game, man, went back and forth a little bit on this one. I think any way you slice it, This will be a fourth quarter potential last play kind of game. Both tremendously talented rosters, both very well coached football teams, enormous impact for both teams with how this thing shakes out when it comes to the Big Ten race, all about control, all about control for both teams. I think Penn State in the trenches defensively is just different this year. I think offensively, they have a really good chance to control the tempo of this game and ease Drew Aller into it. I think Ohio State's going to score. Make that very clear. I think Ohio State will score on this Penn State defense, even though they are a top five unit in the country. When it comes to our pick, though, I think Penn State has built to a moment like this. I think they end up winning by one point. So I'm not, I'm probably not feeling amazing about taking either side with the spread. But if I had to, I'd take Penn State to cover take Penn State to win, and for Penn State, if you win a football game like this, if they do what we're predicting them to do is we're picking Penn State outright to win, a Penn State win would mean they are for real. And for real is kind of funny to say about Penn State because they've been good for a while. Like They won the Rose Bowl last year. They're consistently in that top tier within the Big Ten. But if you beat Ohio State, who has been one of the top, top two big dogs in the conference the last few years, Make a statement to the rest of the college football world that what James Franklin has done internally and some of that alignment they have now from that administration to the football program is paying dividends. And you take down Ohio State, you send that message loud and clear like, hey, you got to deal with Penn State now. We're the real deal. We're no longer on that third place in the podium. We're one of the top dogs. got to deal with us. And uh, the college football playoff conversation around Penn State becomes very real as well. Now for Ohio State, if they lose a game like this, no matter how it looks, the standards are the standards at Ohio State, like win national titles, wig the Big Ten, make the college football playoff. Like that, That's all just expected at Ohio State. Maybe a one-loss year is good for most places. It's not for Ohio State. So that amps up the intensity on that game against Michigan. And I think you would hear a lot of people saying things about Ryan Day and the Born on Third Base conversation starts. I'm not saying that we agree with that. In fact, I'll go ahead and say this right now. We don't agree with that. But there would be a fair amount of people that have something to say if they were to drop this game. So again, we got, we got Penn State to win. Tremendous impact on the college football playoff race, the Big 10 race. I think it's gonna be a classic in Columbus. Can't wait to watch it. I'll say this too, uh, very important you're following us here on the socials for a couple of reasons, one of which being if we're going somewhere this week, now hear me very clearly, if we're going somewhere this week, that's gonna be the place that we announce it. So follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter, at JDPickell. Another reason to follow me on those platforms, we give out our picks every single week when it comes to prize picks. And prize picks is bringing you the hard count today, daily fantasy, tons of fun to play. I had not played until this year, got into it this year. It is a blast, okay? Every game is a good game when you got some prize picks plays going on within those games, all right? Make college football Saturday even more entertaining if that's a possibility. So redeem code JD for 100% deposit match. Up to 100 bucks for new users. Here's what we had this past weekend. We had a power play. So power play means we had to get every single square correct to make our money. Y'all, we went two for three. Went two for three. Roman Wilson, a half reception touchdown. We had the Moore there, the Moore hit, caught a touchdown. Great, check it off. Bucky Irving, we knew Oregon was going to bully Washington up front. We didn't know who was going to win the game. We picked Oregon. We were wrong, but we were right about Oregon bullying Washington. Bucky Irving, 113 rushing-slash-receiving yards. We had the Moore there. Hit. It hit. Now, here's, here's the heartbreaker. Brian Thomas, half a receiving touchdown. They're playing Auburn. Jaden Daniels making Heisman noise. That offense is absolutely firing on all cylinders. He's going to catch a touchdown, right? He's got to catch a touchdown, right? Jaden Daniels throws three touchdowns in this football game. Not one of them to Brian Thomas. The Moore did not hit there. Hurts. It stings. Listen, there's no finger-pointing going on here in this program. We're not one of those shows that goes in the locker room and starts saying it was your fault, it was your fault, it was Jaden Daniels' fault, it was Brian Kelly's fault, it was Mike Denbrock's fault. We're not saying that today. We look in the mirror, we watch the tape, we get better, We circle the wagons, and we come back with a vengeance this coming week. So we'll give out our picks on the show on Thursday. But again, if you want to know what we got going on into the weekend, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JDPakel. Redeem code JD through prize picks. 100% deposit match up to $100. So get in on that. We appreciate prize picks being a part of what we got going on over here. It's time now. A lot of y'all are tuned in. We appreciate it. Tennessee, at Alabama, third Saturday in October. Alabama favored by wait for it eight and a half in Tuscaloosa, three thirty Eastern. CBS. Listen, enjoy that CBS theme now. Enjoy the SEC on CBS theme because pretty soon now, it's going to be like toothpaste and orange juice when we get it with the Big Ten. I love the Big Ten, but just this is you know what I'm saying. The dun 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 like I, I don't I don't have that jingle going on when I'm watching Indiana and Penn State regardless I digress for Tennessee man if you beat Alabama two years in a row that would be one of those answers to the question when did it all change at Tennessee hey when was that moment where Tennessee sort of solidified themselves as one of those consistently top tier teams in the SEC maybe they're not winning the SEC every year maybe they're not consistently showing up in Atlanta But you take down Saban in back-to-back years, if you're Josh Heupel, that would be a, hey, this is when the river ran the other way for Tennessee. This is when things started going our way in Knoxville, is I think the feeling. So a game like this, you did it in Neyland last year, you threw the goalposts in the river, turns out they don't float, and you love it, you stormed the field. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure there was a two-day just recovery period in Knoxville after what happened last year in Neyland you go to Tuscaloosa and do it now, that's a whole new deal. And I can't wait to watch it. We'll talk about Bama in a second here. Make sure you're subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel. If you love college football as much as us, then you appreciate a show that talks about college football in the way that you want to talk about it, breaks down the games, gives you analysis, no agendas, no extra stuff added in. It's ball and only ball right here. All right. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on right here at the on three youtube channel via the hard count all right appreciate y'all in advance for being dialed in for alabama man they remember last year too like all the memories that tennessee has of last year they have the inverse memory of that they remember the field being stormed and trying to find their way off kneeling They remember all the things said about their defense, all the things said about how they couldn't do it with this talented team that Nick Saban had a season ago. Like, they remember all that was said. And this is their take it back kind of game. This is their game where they take back what they believe is theirs, okay? A lot of narrative around Alabama, a lot of narrative around how they're not as good as previous teams, that's fine. Let everybody else talk. Let everybody else say what they want to say. For Alabama, they're ready to go prove it on the field in a game like this. So I will say this too, Alabama kind of been trending for a little bit here towards finding their footing. We say it every single week, like, hey, Alabama, was it perfect? No, but they found a way to win, and they got their footing, and they survived in advance another week to figure it out. If you beat Tennessee, to me it would feel a lot like that's the spark that sets off what the rest of their season could be. So I can't wait to watch it. We're going to break it down right now. Big question I have in this game, man, probably a big question you have Can Tennessee move the line of scrimmage on offense like they did last week against A&M? Because I sat right here in this chair this exact same time a week ago, and I said, A&M, they got one of the best rush defenses in the country. They're allowing less than three yards of carry. Give me A&M. Sat here on Sunday, told you all I was wrong, and I have that same question this week now. Can Tennessee do what they did last week to Alabama? because they ran for right around 4.7 yards a carry against a I promise you that will be more than good enough against Alabama should they get that kind of number. But the reason why it's so critical for them to have that kind of movement up front and to run the ball that way, it makes Joe Milton's job easier. Like for Joe Milton, if you're able to run the football, it makes for less pressure from the Alabama defense. You can't dial up a blitz if you're getting gashed in the run game. You gotta play honest, you gotta play gap sound. And then also it makes for an easier picture. Same thing I said about dialing up pressure is true about disguising coverage. You can't be too tricky when you're getting the ball run down your throat. And so if you're Joe Milton, you can sit back there, uh, excuse me, you can sit back there, survey the field, make the right throw, and just have a simplistic picture to look at. Now, very, very critical, I also say this. He still has to make the right throw. He still has to execute, because we saw him against Florida on the road, and there were some intermediate throws he just was not connecting on. That cannot be the case against Alabama. Now, Alabama, they're top 10 in the country in terms of yards per carry allowed. So this is going to be rock versus hard place, immovable object meets unstoppable force. But I can't wait to watch it because if Alabama can take away the run game from Tennessee or at least minimize it, you put the game back on Joe Milton. And I'm not saying Joe Milton couldn't do it. I'm just saying we haven't seen him do it to this point in the season. All right, So that would be a way that Alabama would like to live. I think to beat Alabama, if you're Tennessee, you have to be balanced. Have to be balanced. If if you're going to be able to just sit back there and know that Tennessee can't run the football if you're Alabama, or is not able to consistently run the football if you're Alabama, then you can get after the quarterback, and then you can start to dial it up and and make things uncomfortable for Joe Milton. A very, very key piece of this is going to be the end-all be-all for me. Now, what this requires from Jalen Milrow is being efficient in the pass game. He's been that for the majority of the season. He wasn't really that way against Texas. Wasn't really that way this past weekend against Arkansas. And then also, I need probably three and a half to four yards of carry from Alabama, more than likely coming from Jace McClellan. What that would do, again, sets you up with third and four, third and three. Also, opens up that deep shot downfield if you're ten or if you're if you're Alabama. Jalen Milrow has shown. If he's got a couple skills in the bag, one of his, one of his favorite is the driver. Popping a deep shot to Kobe Prentice or Isaiah Bond or Jermaine Burden, we've seen him do that consistently and seen him do that effectively. Something to watch for in this one? If they, if they get into third and long, third and passing, if you will, Tennessee has a really good pass rush. They're right around, I believe, like 10% sack rate right now, which is good for top 15 in the country. Alabama has been really bad at protecting Jalen Milrow. Like, it's, it's an offensive line that's still coming together. I think they're finding their footing when it comes to running the football. But if they can't protect Jalen Milrow consistently, then this whole conversation is just an, a no to being able to live in third and manageable. You don't get to do that. And then you put the game back on Jalen Milrow. In addition to that, you also get to dial up pressure if you're Tennessee. Same thing we talked about with Alabama and Joe Milton. You live that story if you're Tennessee, if you're able to take them out of third and manageable. Now, something to watch for. On top of that, Jalen Milrow, how does he handle pressure on the early downs? Not talking about third down, I'm talking about early downs when Tennessee dials it up and they stick true to their identity and they try and get after the passer. How does he handle that? Because I think there's a, kind of a boomer bust situation that could play out here. One, the boom for Alabama could be he throws out of it. And that could be the big play. Like you see pressure coming from that second level, You get it out to Isaiah Bond, get it out to whatever playmaker you want to insert there. Big play happening because some real estate was left from where that blitzer just came from. So that would require him to see it right away, get the ball out, great throw, on time, on the money, we're off to the races. Another situation here, a little bit less of a reward for Alabama, but kind of a staying alive. If you bring pressure and Jalen Milrow escapes, churns and burns, gets upfield, maybe not a big play. I suppose it could be but probably a first down. Tennessee, you like to avoid that. You got to get home. And if you can't, like that's the luxury of having Jalen Monroe as your quarterback if you're Alabama. That's why you made number four your guy is because he can make special plays when the play breaks down and when you try and dial it up against him. So there's that. Now, the worst case scenario for Bama and the best case scenario for Tennessee is you dial up some pressure for Tennessee. You get home and you force, I guess, at best for Tennessee, a turnover. At worst, you force a, a long passing down. Which would then go back to that situation we just said alabama does not want to be in. i think something to also watch for a lot of things to watch for in this game uh, another battle that i'm watching probably one of the, the more key scenarios the battle on the perimeter from alabama secondary against the tennessee wide receiving core. now the big caveat here obviously is joe milton's got to hit his passes he's got to be dialed and he's got to be efficient that's all i mean that, that's all true but I think for Tennessee, we said a lot about this receiving core in the offseason. I think we're still a little bit waiting for them to find their footing completely this season. And for Alabama, there was a lot made about the Alabama secondary after the Texas game. Hey, they've, they've had issues the last couple of years. Hey, they're not really playing to the Bama standard. Like, a lot said about them. Terry and Arnold heard that. Terry and Arnold heard that, rather. Kool-Aid McKinstry heard that. Caleb Downs heard that. Since that game, they've, they've really played a totally different brand of football, allowing less than 200 yards passing a game Is Alabama against some good offenses, Ole Miss being one of them. For Alabama, if you can swarm to the football, especially on those horizontal passes, that's going to really set things up for Tennessee and force them into negative situations. Now, for Tennessee, like I said, the horizontal element is crucial. If they can hit some passes out the edge to... Squirrel White or whoever you want to insert there and get up field. That's going to create some, some movement within that Alabama defense. It's going to create some flow and some rhythm. And then the vertical element opens up. So it's horizontal into vertical. We mentioned this Alabama, or excuse me, we mentioned this Tennessee offense wanting to create rhythm. It starts with those little plays, the run game, the horizontal passes, going to the big plays. So it all goes back to can Joe Milton deliver. That's absolutely true. But I think Alabama being able to play those effectively and honestly not getting caught with the horizontal approach and then having a vertical pass behind them is going to be a very, very big deal in this game. So here's my, here's my pick in this one. Here's my feel. I think Alabama is finding their stride. I think what we've seen from them the last couple of weeks is real. Hasn't been perfect, but it's been a steady build, a slow trajectory they're kind of putting themselves on. And I worry about Joe Milton. I worry about number seven. Tons of ability. We've seen him be really good. The Orange Bowl is kind of that snapshot that lives in my mind of, hey, okay, I think Joe Milton can do it. Hasn't done it consistently just yet. They're going on the road. Last time we saw them in a true road game, it was in the swamp. I'm not saying Bryant Denny's the swamp, but I'm saying we had not seen them be efficient just yet on the road to this point. So if Joe Milton goes out and dices Alabama up, I think it's a possible scenario it would be the first time this year we've seen them do that in terms of being super consistent throwing the ball downfield. It's possible, but I'm not picking it to happen. I think Alabama wins a close one. I think they get revenge in this one. I think it's low scoring. I got Bama winning 27-23 at home. Now, if Alabama does that, I think at that point in time, you say, okay, this is who Bama is. They're going to be a team that Kind of finds a way to win imperfectly. They're not Bama of old where they just blow you out or they just, you know, control the line of scrimmage 100% of the time. Like they just kind of find their way to keep on scratching and clawing and, and kind of a, a scrappy Alabama team. So I don't feel great about the spread for either side, to be honest, but we'll take Tennessee to cover. We'll take Alabama to win. It's going to be crazy. I don't feel great about that pick, to be honest with y'all. Don't feel great about the pick. Don't know if I trust either quarterback at this point in time. But we've seen a little bit more from Jalen Milrow. So we'll ride with him right now. Go ahead and get in the live chat too. let me know what y'all think about that game. Let us know. We'll get to your questions here a little bit later in the show. We appreciate y'all putting us over 100 likes. And uh, we'll keep on rolling here. Also, a little bit later in the show, going to tell y'all, finally, finally going to tell y'all how you can get a program shirt. They're nowhere to be purchased. We've seen a lot of y'all in the comment section. A lot of y'all DM me, say, J.D., where can I get one of those? Can't get them anywhere. But I'm going to tell y'all in just a little bit how you can get one. Okay, so stick around for that. Duke at Florida State. Florida State favored by 14 points at the time of us being live. 7.30 Eastern on ABC for Florida State. Now another hurdle in front of them. Another hurdle on their way to trying to win an ACC title, which is the mission for them. Make it very, very clear that is what they're about this year. It is ACC title or bust. No more, oh, we won nine games, that's good. Oh, we won 10 games, that's good. No, 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 no. You want to bring home some hardware. And teams that bring home hardware, teams that lift trophies, they bring it in every single spot. The win last week against Syracuse gave me some encouragement. If I'm watching Florida State, I think they're starting to find their mojo. Now for Duke, hey, don't look now. Duke is pacing for an ACC title appearance like Duke, their their loss to Notre Dame was not a conference loss. They're right on track to make the ACC title. Now you still got Louisville to talk about. We'll see what UNC is a little bit later in the year, but I'm just saying at this point in time, Duke is a football school. So we're going to talk about them that way. Now this line from Vegas leads me to believe they do not think Riley Leonard is playing in this football game. If Riley Leonard were playing in this football game, I would not expect Florida to, Excuse me, I would not expect Florida State to be favored by 14 points. Mike Norvell, however, did say Florida State is preparing for Riley Leonard to play. Now, if he were to play, obviously, that would be a huge advantage to Duke. We're going to break this game down right now, trusting Vegas and trusting that Riley Leonard is not going to play in this game. So a big question for me is the Duke secondary and how they distribute resources against this Florida State pass-catching group. Because we talk about this with Florida State a lot whenever we break down one of their games. Like, it could just be the game-breaker for the Noles. Like, we went and saw them against Clemson, in Death Valley, electric atmosphere. That place was rocking, overtime kind of game. Florida State ran the ball for 20 yards. (laughs) 20 yards. And still found a way to win that football game. Now, there's a defensive touchdown baked into that score, but I'm just saying, like, that could end up being just like the well they keep going back to. We're going to go to it until you stop it. Johnny Wilson, the six foot 15 wide receiver for Florida State. Mike Norvell said they feel really good about him. I'm expecting him to play in this game based on how they're talking about it. Duke has also been really good against the pass. Duke's only allowing 180 pass yards per game. Now, to be fair, they have not seen a test like Florida State to this point in the year. Notre Dame, I guess, is the next best thing if you're trying to find a comp for talent roster-wise against Duke. But, like, I mean, even in that game, I thought Mitchell Evans played phenomenal, the tight end for for Notre Dame. So that's kind of my question here. If Florida State's able to score points through the air, you'd imagine that happens in bunches. You would imagine that kind of puts pressure on Duke to match scores. And if Riley Leonard plays, maybe this conversation changes. But potentially, you're playing with the backup quarterback and Henry Beelon, who went 4-for-12 last week against NC State. I don't think that there's a tremendous jump from that week to this week for Duke's offense. That would concern me if I'm a Duke football fan. I don't know how you match scores with Florida State if they're scoring at that clip, throwing the ball through the air. Now, if you do kind of hang around, and you are able to kind of manage that pass game if you're Duke, well, then you give yourself a chance to, just like I said, hang around, stay in it, take your shots, trade blows, and be able to make this a game in the fourth quarter. That would also probably dial back that crowd noise quite a bit, which you would love for your backup quarterback. Something to watch for here. There's going to be a lot of attention demanded from Keon Coleman because he's, I think, arguably the best receiver in college football. Marvin Harrison Jr. probably has that title, but I think Keon Coleman is right up there with him, to be real with y'all. And if Johnny Wilson plays in this game, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the edge of this defense on the perimeter side like the safeties have to respect the deep ball from either of those cats so what does that mean the middle of the field for Florida State could be there we saw Mitchell Evans have a day for Notre Dame the tight end for the Irish tight end for Florida State Jaheim Bell I think this kind of could be that game where we talk about him a lot the Sunday after with him having a big day so keep an eye on that now the, the spread is Florida State minus 14 as we've already told you in this game Anytime we have a double-digit spread like this, it would be easy just to pick Florida State outright. So I got to tell you like, what, what the non-negotiables are for me. If Duke's going to win this football game, there's a couple of them. The first of which being they have to be able to run the football. Even with Riley Leonard, if he plays in this game, I need Duke to have some kind of output on the ground. It would control the game. It would limit possessions for that Florida State offense. It would take the crowd out of it. Like That's just a whole situation that steadies everybody's hand. Everybody kind of just calms down a little bit if you're able to run the football if you're Duke That would be true to their identity too. They're a team that wants to control the line of scrimmage. They want to push you around. They want to, they want to just, as a whole, make you say uncle with how they play smash mouth football. That's exactly who Mike Elko is. Now, on the other side of that, they need to be able to score touchdowns. They need to be able to, to go touchdowns, not field goals against Florida State. Because we already said it a little bit, like you, you don't want to get into a situation where you have to match scores with Florida State. If you do get into a situation where you have to match drives with Florida State, I promise you, Florida State's going to get touchdowns. You got to get seven. Has to be a reality. On top of that, cannot turn the football over. So all these things kind of go hand in hand. And I guess like to, to put a, a statement on all these non-negotiables for Duke, it's got to be a clean game. It's got to be a clean game. It's got to be a controlled game. Aim small, miss small, take your shots where you can get them, but as a whole, be physical, play to your strengths. Don't try and play Florida State's game because you're not going to win at Florida State's game. Now, here's the backbreaker for me. In this game, I'm concerned about the momentum that Florida State has right now if I'm Duke because Florida State, they are running the football well based on this past weekend, which is one of the things you were worried about if you're Florida State coming out of that Clemson game. They're averaging, or they averaged rather, in the Syracuse game, five and a half yards of carry. They got downhill. They did it on the perimeter, especially. A lot of perimeter runs for Florida State that hit in a very big way. They ran for almost 200 yards last week. I understand that it was that it was Syracuse. Like, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not trying to overhype a big win over Syracuse. But Duke is allowing four yards a carry. Notre Dame ran for five yards a carry against Duke. So with that being said, I just think there's too much firepower offensively for Florida State. I don't trust Duke to score with them based on what vegas is saying it doesn't sound like riley leonard will play in this game again that's based on the line from what mike elko said it sounds like he's day to day if he does play that probably changes the conversation a little bit but even if if riley leonard does play i think florida state's going to score too quickly and i think that florida state wins this football game 36 to 21 meaning florida state clears another hurdle keep on charging towards that acc title appearance in Charlotte. This would be a very, very big hurdle to clear. Make no mistake about it. Duke, as much as you want to say about Leonard not playing in this game, or, or if he is playing in this game, like this is a ranked football team. This is a good roster. This is a tough football team. Just ask Clemson about it. If they get this win, that would be, that'd be one to you know, feel pretty good about yourself for getting. So we'll watch that one. be a lot of fun to watch and uh, unpack on Sunday, regardless of the result. The Noles, man, they're making a lot of playoff noise. Like, you look at the schedule the rest of the way, there's going to be some tricky ones. Got Miami at home. You go to Florida, but, like, this kind of is going exactly as you would have hoped if you're a Florida State fan. I talked to one of y'all on the field after the Clemson game, and you told me, like, hey, if we could get through those first four and be 3-1, and one, we would have taken it in a heartbeat. would have been ecstatic about it. Right now, they're undefeated. So, the Knowles are uh, singing that journey song do not stop believing we'll keep on rolling here another team that can't stop believing is usc is usc man it is it is no secret they took their punch last week against notre dame and we got utah at usc usc favored by a touchdown in this game at eastern on fox how does usc respond how did the Trojans respond? Because there, there was so much made about the defense and what they didn't have last year and all they got through the portal. Like, the reason why there was so much talk around the defense is because they got exposed against Utah in that Pac 12 title game. This is the one you had circled. This is the one that you talked about during offseason lifts. This is the one your coaches told you about on that last rep of sprints during the conditioning test. Like, this is the game for USC. To make a statement hey last year is last year we're more physical we're more gritty we're more determined and this is the game where we show you last week was bad they're trying to flush that and move on to the next beating Utah would be a tremendous step towards doing that and keep them right on track to playing for a Pac-12 title yet again but you got to exercise those demons against Utah in this game now Utah they're out to prove they're still that team out west USC gets all the headlines because of Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, and it's LA, for goodness sakes, and Washington. What they did to Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. is very clearly the Heisman frontrunner. Just ask Vegas. I think Oregon is still one of the best teams on the Pac-12. Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, like just the brand itself at Oregon carries a lot of weight. But Utah now, everyone's forgetting about Utah. Utah won the conference the last two years and did it pretty convincingly, might I add. I have no idea about Cam Rising no idea. I don't think anybody has any idea. We were talking about Cam Rising maybe even being available against Florida and then he didn't play against Florida and we're going into week eight now and there's talk about him medically redshirting. There's some people in Utah circles that are optimistic that he plays in this game. We'll see. I'm going to go ahead and break this game down as if he's not playing because that's been the way that it's gone to this point in the year. We'll, We'll throw in a couple of side notes here about Cam Rising, the way they impact this thing. But I mean, like for me, the story of this game, the trench warfare between USC's offensive line and the Utah pass rush. Last week against Notre Dame for USC, there was so much made around the final score and how much they beat them by. And if you just look at that final score, you say, yep, lost by 28. Man, USC's defense just hasn't evolved, huh? That must be the deal. Well, I don't know if that's 100% accurate. In fact, the problem last week was USC's offensive line against Notre Dame. Caleb Williams, he threw three interceptions. Every single one of those interceptions, he was getting pressure. He was having issues finding someone to throw to because of that shot clock that was sped up for him. Now, there is no better ad-libber in the game than Caleb Williams, make that very clear. But if you're able to pressure him like last week, if you're Utah, probably feel pretty good about your chance to force some more turnovers like Notre Dame was able to. Now, I think USC, if, if you're trying to offset that, there's a couple ways I would go about doing that. Lincoln Riley makes a lot of money for a reason because he's an offensive genius. But a couple of things that I'm probably considering from USC is potentially some perimeter passes, some zone runs, being able to sort of take the Utah defender if they're bringing pressure wherever they want to go. You want to go upfield, that's fine. We'll take you upfield. We'll run right underneath you. Hey, you want to bring pressure from the boundary? That's fine. We'll get the ball out quick to whoever we want to talk about as a wide receiver for USC right there. Make some plays downfield, like, let's go. And that tempo and that sort of slide of hand if you're USC could end up being, like, the perfect counterpunch to what Utah wants to do defensively. Now, again, if Utah gets home and they create turnovers, like, this thing could get very ugly in a hurry and could look a lot like that game against Notre Dame did for USC. Now, the luxury for USC... They are back home and I think they did get sobered up a little bit based on that game against Notre Dame like I think that kind of brought them back to earth a little bit. We'll give you our pick here in a minute, but I'm just saying I'm I'm curious how Caleb Williams responds. Cuz I think for them to be able to play well against this pass rush of Utah, it's going to take some decisiveness from Caleb Williams. Lincoln Riley has to set him up for, you know, clear decisions to be made and if you get pressure from that second level, we got to have a quick throw to him, but or for him rather to whoever but I'm curious how he responds in this spot. Decisiveness is the key word for me with Caleb Williams. Now, the most obvious matchup that everyone's going to talk about this week, we'll talk about it right now, the revitalized offensive line for USC against the Utah physicality. Now, if Cam Rising plays in this game, this becomes a little bit more interesting because if you're able to be physical for Utah and you have Cam Rising, then you feel better about what you have once USC commits numbers to stopping the run. But even so, man, like last, last year's Pac-12 title game was an absolute clinic. It was embarrassing for USC. It was a conversation starter for everyone in college football around what USC wasn't defensively. I promise you, it was an eye-opening experience for everybody at USC say, hey, we, we got to get better on the defensive line. We got to have a better push. We cannot get bullied like this. If I'm Utah, I'm testing that 100%. I'm testing that early. I'm probably taking a few shots to soften up that front a little bit, and then running the football as well. Like I'm, I'm trying that out a little bit. I'm seeing if we can't go back to the well yet again. If I'm Utah, now again, the higher impact factor is if Cam Rising does play, because Bryson Barnes, he's been serviceable. He's not the game breaker that Cam Rising is. If Cam Rising plays, you wonder at what percent he's at. But I'm just saying, if USC is able to get a push, kind of like we said last week against Notre Dame for USC you're just able to to make it a game you give yourself a chance you cannot win this football game if utah gets to do plan a and just run the ball at will like a battering ram has to be improvement from usc's defense in this spot sione vaki is a safety turned running back or enough turn running backs the right way safety then asked to play some running back this past week for utah against Cal. dude was balling over 100 yards rushing You also got Jaquin and Jackson to worry about if you're USC in that running back room for Utah. They ran the wildcat a fair amount, did Utah last week. Keep an eye on how USC handles that. That's just tricky for a defense to work with because you get an extra blocker if you're Utah. And you also have some misdirection going more often than not because that running back playing quarterback probably has a read option to look at. And he's reading one of the defenders. Like It just overall puts you at a disadvantage number wise if you're USC. Going back to what we said, got to get a push. You want to solve all your problems running the football? If you're USC against or defending the run, rather, stop the run. Has to happen if you're the Trojans. Now, it's going to be crucial for Utah in this spot to answer scores. Right now, they're averaging 20 points a game. If Cam Rising's playing, this conversation changes and you're probably scoring more than 20 a game. But the reality is at this point, you're not because he hasn't played. So for Utah, man, like when USC scores a touchdown, you can't trade that with a field goal. You got to go get seven right away, because for USC, man, like it's—I always use the the metaphor of a track meet when you're playing against USC. You cannot spot USC ten meters in a hundred meter race. If you give them any ground, you're not catching Caleb Williams. Maybe last year you were, but with Bryson Barnes playing quarterback, I don't like your chances to do that, especially in LA. Just kind of the reality for me. I think USC had their pressure had their pressure bubble burst just a little bit last week I think they found their their footing in the sense of they kind of they got to sort of put away all the conversation around well can they go undefeated can they run the table can Caleb Williams win another Heisman like all those things at the very least you're you're not going undefeated Caleb Williams put a pretty solid dent into his Heisman resume with what he did against Notre Dame it's gonna be hard people that's gonna be hard for people to forget I think USC plays with an edge this game I think they have a refocused mentality, and I think this offense is going to find their footing in a very real way. I think the defense plays well enough, and Caleb Williams just does Caleb Williams things. I think USC, it's personal in this game for them. It might not be personal for Utah. It's personal for USC the way the last two games went against them. I think USC wins this game 31-24, to and USC gets back on track, back to their winning ways, and I would not be surprised if we saw them play on a mission the rest of the way sometimes for teams it just takes one loss to kind of snap them out of it snap them out of this daze or make them feel like they're not walking a tightrope anymore the worst case scenario happened you lost a football game usc still has everything they want to play for in front of them so that'll be fun to watch we'll break it down and we'll give you our thoughts there utah at usc 80. eastern fox we got the trojans i wouldn't touch that spread not not a lot of games with we're breaking down right now that we like to spread in but uh, USC will take them to win. All right, I'm about to tell you all about the uh, the program shirt that you can win here in just a second. Before we do that, I want to tell y'all about HelloFresh because they are in fact bringing you the hard count today. So, what is HelloFresh? HelloFresh is a meal service where you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep, all right? Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. You got a lot going on in the fall, all right? It's football season. It's football season. Maybe you're going back and forth from, you know, an away game back home. It's Sunday. Shoot, we didn't get groceries. No problem. HelloFresh has got you. 40 recipes to choose from every week Always something delicious from HelloFresh. That much that much variety, it's a good way to live. More is more. Also, HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime. Like, you know it can also save you money. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery store shopping by twenty-five percent less expensive than takeout. Okay? That means less stress in your day and more money back in your pocket. So for me, I actually Get home before my wife. Fairly often, she works a little bit later than me, so I come home. I make dinner. HelloFresh, having the ingredients already prepped out for us, able to just put it together, put it in the oven, no problem. Simple, easy. Not, again, not the trip to the grocery store, or having to do takeout. Like having that ready for her when she gets home, fellas. I'm telling you, difference maker. So dialing with HelloFresh, never gonna be wrong. Never gonna be wrong when you go with HelloFresh. Uh, here's the deal. Go to HelloFresh.com. And use, or excuse me, hellofresh.com slash 50JD. Use code 50JD for 50% off plus free shipping. All right, so go to hellofresh.com slash 50JD. Use code 50JD for 50% off plus free shipping. We're going to go ahead and link that for you in the description to this video or in the podcast, wherever you're listening. HelloFresh taking care of you. Again, America's number one meal kit. We appreciate them taking care of y'all, taking care of us. So, hellofresh bringing you all the program getting the live chat right now hit us with your questions about to bring on nick Braith, the keeper of the queue this has been long overdue now y'all we've had again a lot of y'all dming me tweeting at me commenting on instagram maybe even on tiktok yeah we are on tiktok i haven't really talked about that much but y'all got me on tiktok as well and just said jd where do i get a program shirt i looked online can't find one anywhere i can't buy one it's not on all3.com it's nowhere to be found how do i get one of those shirts i told y'all we get over a hundred thousand subscribers we will make it a thing where one we give one away so we'll do that here and two we'll we'll make it a a thing where you can win one so the way we're going to give them away is y'all getting at me on the socials it has to be on the socials at jody piquel on twitter and on instagram the reason for that being it's hard to go back and forth on youtube like i can't dm you back and say okay what's your shipping info let me know dm me on instagram or on twitter or tweet at me there or, or comment whatever let me know some of your program wins like we talk about about the show in a very like communal fashion for a reason again because y'all are part of this show just as much as we are on this side of things we are very much so a team and when we talk about a team we care about y'all's wins as much as our wins here like i, I told y'all Whenever we get thrown in a hype video, it's a win for us. Whenever something good happens with the show, it's a win for us. Whenever we get good traffic, we get more subscribers, y'all like the video, whatever it ends up being, that's a win for us. I want to know what wins are for y'all. So let me know a personal win, whether it's emotional, whether it's professional, whether it's in school, like get at me and let me know what some of your wins are in your life and we'll celebrate those together. We'll get you a program shirt, be a real good deal. We're going to get to those uh, as many as possible. But uh, again, tweet at me, get at me on Instagram. DM me, whatever, again, at Judy Piquel. Follow me there. Got to be subscribed, so make sure you do that, but excited to get y'all some of these program shirts and celebrate a lot of your program wins with you. So to break down what the program is saying at this point in time, bringing on the man, the myth, the legend, keeper of the queue, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, man? You living good?
3: I'm living good, man.
2: You don't You sound like you're not living good. What's going on?
3: I mean, just here reading the, uh, reading the comments. Is it, some, is it popping off in there? We got some good ones. Got I some love good it. good questions early on. Uh, get them in. There's only a few. Uh, ask about four or five. What do you, is that good, JD? That sounds phenomenal, brother. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, re- first question. This is going to be a hard one to answer. I know you're probably going to have to answer it carefully, I should say. Read Shannon. JD, in your opinion, what are the top three fan bases in college football?
2: Oh, man. That is brutal. That's brutal. So I can't answer that one directly. Just quite frankly, I haven't had enough exposure to all the fan bases to give you an accurate assessment there. Uh, I'll go with just environments we've been in this year and just kind of give a hat tip to them. Clemson's home atmosphere was unreal. Unreal. Noon game. Clemson already had a loss. It was hot. And y'all brought it. One of the loudest atmospheres I've ever been in. Uh, Being at Michigan-Ohio State a season ago, both those fan bases brought it to the nth degree and it's a rivalry game. I understand that was a game that was more or less for the big 10 title and probably had at that point in time thinking it was going to be the college football playoff elimination game. But like both those fan bases too also brought it, um, man, I grew up around a lot of Georgia and Florida fans. They're insane. So like, I'm not going to probably do a, a top three necessarily at this point, Nick, but I mean, I'll tell you what, there is a lot of passion across the college football landscape and we've been exposed to a fair amount of it. And very, very grateful for that. And that's what makes this whole thing special. So, uh, appreciate everybody that gets after it in the comment section and voices their passion. Yep. But, uh, man, top three fan bases. We might have to revisit that one. Might we, have to revisit that one know, for You know, JD,
3: I was really, um, surprised and I know this won't come as any surprise to any people in the chat, um. But our Alabama grad co-producer, my buddy Trey, uh, who goes to the games with you, saying that Nealon was so incredible. Was, Nealon was awesome, and dude. And I didn't, I didn't know that. Unreal. I am pretty uh, new to college football. Um, so that caught me off guard. I, th- I think that's pretty cool. Dude, so, it was uh, awesome. Yeah, That's, that's from an a, Alabama that's a good way to go. too. So uh, if they don't win this weekend, at least they can have that over, uh, over Bama, right?
2: Exactly, yeah, without question. We went to both those places, too. I mean, Bama mm-hmm. and Tennessee, like you said, Nick, like, Very engaged fan bases, both very knowledgeable fan bases too. (laughs) Like I would say, there's like like obviously you have like the one percent of each fan base that's the loudest on Twitter that says crazy things, but like both those fan bases talking to people when we showed up there, pretty informed, pretty knowledgeable, and like had a had a pretty realistic gauge for what was what was you know expected in the game. Texas as well, another fan base. Oklahoma, another fan base. So Mm -hmm. I mean, we we could go through all of them, Nick. But to be real, Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's probably the the way I would look at it at this point.
3: Um, Awesome, JD. Um, Next question. This one's coming. Excuse me. I'm looking around. Okay, this one's (laughs) coming. I don't really want to say this name, but the the question is how big of a chance would you give the rematch of the Red River shootout to be as the Big 12 title game, essentially?
2: Bro, I would probably put it at like 80% right now. Like, I think we saw in that game Texas and OU... Whether they go the rest of the schedule undefeated or not, I'm pretty convinced those are the two best teams in the conference. No shade to West Virginia. No shade to Kansas. But like the college football public, Nick, we, we deserve Oklahoma-Texas one more time in Jerry World before they leave the conference. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put that at 80%. Oklahoma doesn't really have a gauntlet in front of them. Neither does Texas. They'll play Kansas State, but that'll be in Austin. So I think we should see that one again. Not just because I'm hoping for it, but because I actually think that's going to happen. So that's where we fall on that one, Nick. But that would be yeah. that'd be a lot of fun too to turn on the TV, yeah. see that one in Jerry World. That would be uh, that'd be poetic. I'd love that.
3: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, Mando Flores, JD, do you think, and this is a good question: If viewers had stayed at Ohio State, would he have beaten out Kyle McCord and Devin Brown for that starting job?
2: That's a really good question. That's a really good question, and, it, and there's a tough part to answer it because. Quinn Ewers is from Texas, and from what it sounds like, when he went to Ohio State, there was a level of like shock factor with being somewhere like Ohio, with being away from home. And so I don't know if he matures the same way. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying that's a very big question mark, and I think a big reason why he's playing the way he is at Texas right now. I mean, also Arch Manning pushed him. It sounds like when he got to Texas and kind of caused him to to improve in the ways that he has. So. I think Quinn Ewers being able to start last year for Texas and then look in the mirror and turn it around is why he's playing the way that he is right now. If he went to Ohio State last year, he would not have started. So I'm going to go ahead and say I think I think he probably would not have been as successful as he is right now. Now, would he beat out Kyle McCord? Maybe. I mean, I guess the the – conventional wisdom is is that we'll never really know I would say I think Ewers has more ability than Kyle McCord if we're just going to keep it a buck right now um I would take Quinn Ewers over Kyle McCord at this point in time I'm an Ohio State fan but I do think his path that led him to Texas and his journey at Texas is a big reason why he's playing at the level he is now so who knows if that ends up being the case if he stays at Ohio State but that's a that's a good thought exercise right there Nick that might be something we have to talk about in the offseason too is the whole Space-time continuum, that is the transfer portal, that is the, the college football landscape right now.
3: Uh, ben, be patient, man. I'm going to ask your questions. Says doesn't ask my question. I'm going to ask it right now. It's You're regulating good, it in here, Nick. A, I love it, brother. It's a good question. I love I sh- it. Yeah, I'm going to ask it, man. Uh, he asks, what if Tennessee wins this game? I think they have an excellent shot at being in the in the SEC championship after beating Georgia on November 18th.
2: Whoa. Whoa, calling his shot. I love that, man. Yeah, I mean, if you beat Bama, (laughs) think about the confidence that builds. Think about the way that we viewed that Georgia game last year for Tennessee, and they went to Athens, and they had Hennon Hooker. Like, I still maintain, and Georgia fans aren't going to like this, I still maintain that if a couple of those deep shots happen early for Tennessee, that changes the complexion of that football game against Georgia. I'm not saying they win. I'm saying it's a little bit more close. But, yeah, I mean, it would be a tremendous confidence builder if they were to win that game. They get Georgia at home this year. Um if they win, everything's on the table. I mean, I'm curious to see what they look like if they do win that game. I'm curious to see like how that would look from an eyeball standpoint. Like, is, is Tennessee just dominant and they're able to score points on Bama and Joe Miller throwing it around the yard? Or is it a thing where, hey, Bama turned the ball over a few times. There were some times where Bama shot themselves in the foot and Tennessee made good on it. Like, The conversation changes so much week to week in college football, which is why we love it. Um, yeah, that that would be a that'd be be a lot of fun. I would love to see Tennessee in Atlanta, man. That'd be awesome. It'd be awesome mm-hmm, for too. that fan base. It'd be good for our show, I'll say that much. But I mean that would be awesome for that Vol fan base if they were able to uh to get to Atlanta. Getting past Georgia would yeah. be a very difficult task, but like, hey, we'll we'll see. We will see.
3: JD, how many times? Well, how much time do we have? We Let's go, more. what do you think? Two more? Two two more sounds Let's great. Let's do it, man. brother. Because King King Epic has asked quite a good question. Mm. JD, if all Five power five conferences have an undefeated conference champion. Which conference gets left out? Which team in this hypothetical situation gets left out?
2: This is brutal. This is brutal. This is brutal. And this would, I think, be like the mic drop moment for everyone that's pro college football playoff expansion. Because you have Oklahoma, who would be the undefeated champion, likely, from the Big 12. The Big Ten could be any number of Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Pac-12 could be Washington, and that's essentially it. Gosh. That stinks. That'd be be tricky, man. The ACC would be Florida State. Who gets left out? I guess you go to the eye test. I mean, the SEC would be Georgia. Gosh, man. (laughs) This would be so tough. I don't feel good about leaving the Pac-12 out because I think you have a number of Big-time ranked wins, if you're that conference champion, you're Washington. I mean, Oregon already being one of them.
3: That would also mean Oklahoma beats Texas twice. Oklahoma beats How- Texas twice. Then Michigan, dude. Ohio State, Penn State had to have beaten Michigan. <sighs> I honestly think you have to leave out Oklahoma, right?
2: Gosh, yeah, I don't know. Like, Then I'm looking at Florida State. Like that, oh, Their yeah. best win would have been... LSU. Well then we'll see who's in the conference title game against them and how high they're ranked. Like did they get Florida State and North Carolina or Louisville as like a top ten matchup? Like I don't know. Jeez. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I I guess I guess you'd lean Oklahoma just because the Big 12 hasn't been playing how well they, you know, you would hope they are. Like the, the rest of the meat on the bone for them isn't incredible, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, that that would just be that'd be college football playoff apocalypse, legitimately. Like I think, I think you're right there, though, Nick. Like I think that the ranked wins probably lean towards the other conferences. You probably got to leave Oklahoma out by the nature of uh, what the Big 12's done this year. I hate that. That's not fair. I don't support that. It's not right, but I think that's what would happen. Yeah. Uh, I also don't think that happens, to be real. I, I don't think we get uh, five undefeated conference champs. If we do, we'll, we will circle back to this moment, but if, I, mean, I I do not think that happens, just to be clear.
3: I didn't even think about that until that question was asked. That was a great, great, question. Question. Um, great question. Two things. First and foremost, man, this guy named Dr. Dan in our chat is getting so much hate. Give him a break, guys. A doctor. Come on, Dr. Dan is a good guy. Um, and then Evan, uh, I think sweet talk because I mean, he asked a good question, says that Nick does a good job of monitoring the chat. He does. Evan, he does. it's worked because I'm going to end off on your question. Um, asked, asked J.D., does the winner of OSU Penn State deserve to be top two and if Penn State wins what is their chance for an upset against Michigan
2: well one that's a great question yeah terrific I want to get to that Nick I appreciate you man in the chat hey Evan's not wrong you crush it brother you you do you produce you punch the show live I mean you do everything so I appreciate you brother and uh hey we'll do it again tomorrow how does that sound
3: Let's do it again tomorrow. And, J.D., I, do, I just realized someone I know, uh, my friend Trez Mason, who I play in fantasy football, just commented, hot take, I don't think Oklahoma's going to beat UCF. So Ooh. maybe I have
2: to talk about that a little bit too. I like that. Um, but, yeah, I like JD, that, I'll see
3: you tomorrow on the live show.
2: Good stuff. Good stuff, Nick. Uh, Oklahoma beating UCF would shock me, <laughs> but stranger things have happened. The question was, does the winner of Ohio State-Penn State catapult into top two space also should uh what was the other part of that should they beat michigan they should i'm I'm blanking on that i'm sorry nick
3: yeah so jd uh evan said here i'm going to reframe myself no you're great um so kind of says that okay if penn state the winner of that game do they deserve to be top two and then if penn state wins what are their chances of, of, like, going undefeated in the Great. Okay. and beating Michigan? Thank you.
2: Hey, I need all the help I can get here, Nick. I appreciate it, brother. I'm a duck out again, J.D. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, brother. Um, to answer the first part of that question, I think resume-wise, you're probably in the top two. Now, does the AP see it that way? Do we see it that way? It probably depends on how that game looks, to be real. Like, we're going to kind of hold our opinion on them being top two until we see this game play out. Like, if Penn State's just dominant or Ohio State's just dominant, yeah, I think they are a top two team. Michigan, I think, is just so complete right now and they've been so dominant, it's hard for me to penalize them because they haven't played anybody yet. Now, if Penn State does beat Ohio State, which was the second part of that question, and they end up, you know, playing Michigan undefeated, which you would imagine would happen, I think you got to feel, man, I don't want to make a prediction right now on Penn State Michigan, but like, I believe Penn State gets Michigan at the crib, and it'd be it'd be tough to go to Happy Valley. I'll just say that much. Tough to go to Happy Valley at that point. Penn State's probably firing on all cylinders. Gosh, I would I would feel a lot better about my chances if I'm Penn State, and because at that point too, Drew Aller, the confidence that he's built up, Michigan still probably has to worry about Ohio State in a couple weeks. Like that's 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 the last hurdle for Penn State. I could talk this to death for the next 20 minutes but at the end of the day i'll just say you feel good about your chances for penn state if you beat ohio state the way that you match up against michigan all right so with that being said hey just one more time i appreciate y'all so much appreciate y'all being dialed in making this show what it is i want to reiterate this one more time send us your wins personal wins career wins life wins whatever it is shoot them our way dm me on instagram or on twitter at jd I want to hear from y'all. I want to celebrate those wins. We want to celebrate those wins with y'all. Because, again, we, we don't call ourselves a program just because of what we got going on on this side of the camera, on this side of the podcast. It is truly a team thing, a community thing, a we thing. So, with that being said, for all of us here, we're back on the air. Tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, more predictions for you, giving you our top 10 teams. We'll have a real good time. So, dial in for that. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that. Hey, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time.
1: in Kansas, 1 877 770 Stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800 Gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling or call 800 327 5050 support in Massachusetts or call 1 8HOPE.